0: If you're, if you're our guest chair, we want to welcome you. And those online, of course, we want to welcome you here this morning. And uh, if you will, make sure you look at the comment section. We want to remind you that uh, there's a box there and then there's a tab there should you want to communicate with any staff member or make a decision throughout the, this morning's message. And, of course, we want to remind you of our phone app. That it has the sermon outline. If you're at home, download the VLC Plantation app. Or if you're here and you want to follow along this morning with the VLC app. I want to remind you, our women's retreat is next week. They're all excited about it. That means the guys are going to hire babysitters and go do our thing. No, I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. We're going to kill two birds with one stone. Some of us are, are for real. You know, we've been talking about being a servant of God. You know, you come in here on a Sunday morning, I'm thinking, God, what are they thinking when they come in here on a Sunday morning or when you're listening online? What are people thinking about? Is is someone asking something more of me? You don't understand. My family demands so much of me. My job demands so much of me. Or I demand so much of my employees. Wow, I need a break. I need a breather. But I want to set the table and remind you what I just said in my prayer, that God teaches us, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I can't wait till next year, beginning of the year, I'm going to preach again the messages on the simple Christian life lived at home and the simple Christian life lived at church. You're going to understand that it's very natural and that's our heartbeat. Our subject is Servants of God. That is the title of this message. We talked about it last week, and we will continue talking about it this week and maybe next week. Servants of God. Would you call yourself right now a servant of God? Would you proclaim it publicly? Would you let other people know, I'm a servant of God? When you work for a good company and you're proud of it, you tell people, this is the company that I work for. Are you proud to be a servant of God? God is looking for servants. We're going to look at what that means, being a servant of God. But I want you to turn in your Bibles or on your app, or you'll be able to follow on the screen, Acts chapter 6. Remember, we're peeling away from the life of Peter. Peter is now continuing the work of the Father and the Son That was assigned to him, and that is to spread the gospel. A lot of people that visit our churches throughout the world and throughout the land, they kind of forget that there is a purpose beyond just meeting, and that is that everyone, everywhere, will hear the good news that they can have peace with God. In Acts chapter 6, we realize the church is exploding. People are being added to the family of God daily and the kingdom of God is looking for servants. Peter was looking for servants because he realized it was getting out of hand and he could not control everything. Neither did he want to control everything. But he knew what he needed to zero in on. He knew what he needed to focus in on just like When you're hired for a job, you know what it is that you need to do. And when you spend time on something other than what you were hired to do, the boss will let you know about it. And Peter did not have time to do some of the things that the people were demanding. Let's pick up that scene, Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied... There were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. By the way, pause. They are not belittling the food program. As we read on, you will see, you will hear, you will read. They were not belittling the food program. He was contrasting it with or juxtaposing it against what he was asked to do. So we continue. And so, brothers, ah, here's here's the explanation of how important it is. Select seven men who are well-respected, here is the key, and full of the Spirit and wisdom. It's not just, hey, can I get a volunteer? That's not what they were looking for. Whenever you do something in the body of Christ, we are looking for people, God is looking for people that are full of the Spirit of God. Remember, we are commanded to be full of the Spirit. And then the power of the Spirit can come upon an individual or upon a church to carry out a particular task for the glory of God. But you can be walking in the Spirit of God on a continual basis. So find some men full of the Holy Spirit. And we will give them this responsibility. Then, We apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man of faith and the Holy Spirit, you will also recall that he became the first martyr of the church. Hmm. Now, do I have a volunteer? Hmm. Secondly, Philip. Procorius, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These were the seven people that were selected. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them, basically giving their approval. But notice something else in this passage. Because of this organization the message continued to spread and the number of believers greatly increased in jerusalem and many of the jewish priests were converted to may god add his blessings to the reading of his word this morning well in secular life and in the church it's all about serving now every business needs servers every restaurant tries to retain servers they need servers every school needs volunteers and servers think about it in the bible as david was building his kingdom he needed servants that would serve with him and then just think about our lord and savior as he was building the kingdom of god on earth how many did he start with he started with one one investor at a time as ef hutton used to say it's an old commercial one person at a time. And then he picked 12 servants. And yes, they were servants because he demonstrated to them how he wanted them to serve. Well, guess what? The church needs servants to carry on the work of God. I want to give you this one passage. We'll talk about it a little later. First Corinthians 12.7. <clears throat> the Bible tells us that in First Corinthians 12.7 that a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other out. Again, write that down. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help one another. So the Holy Spirit baptized you into the family of God. The Holy Spirit gave you at least one gift or more for the purpose of serving God in the body of Christ. No one, that is baptized into the family of God is excluded you are important to God serving tables was very important and so you are important God is growing his kingdom here's the key he told us this we talked about it last week the harvest what's the harvest? the souls that need to be added into the kingdom of God the harvest is plentiful But the labors are few. I have found in my journey since 1986 being a full-time pastor, it is a challenge to find men and women who will do the spiritual work. If you know I'm around you, I lovingly challenge you to do spiritual work. We can find men and women that will move chairs. We can find men and women that might sing or play a guitar or beat on the drums But can we find people that care about the souls of men and women, boys and girls? God is looking for those kinds of servants. Are you willing? So I took the word servant so that you would remember this and recall it, the word servant. And we began to explain exactly what does that mean, to be a servant of God. So we made an acrostic out of it. Beginning with the word S, last week, we began to talk about the word servants, and we didn't get too far, but alongside servant, put a slash, sanctified, sanctified. And that's where we're going to pick up. Remember, last week, we talked about Jesus setting an example when he took off his outer cloak, and he demonstrated to the apostles who were jockeying for position in his kingdom they're thinking worldly this is how the church is going to operate just like the businesses of the world and Jesus said no we're not going to operate the church that way here's how you are to conduct yourself if you think you're somebody then you need to do what I am showing you and he began to wash their feet. That's the kind of people that God is looking for to serve in his kingdom. When I think about servant, I also think about the word, if you put it right next to it, under S, sanctified. Let me go in two directions with that. In First Timothy 2.21, if a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do every good work. Now I want to read that from the God's Word translation that exact same verse 2 Timothy 2:21. This is called sanctification. Those who stop associating with dishonorable people will be honored. They will be set apart for the master's use, prepared to do good things. God took Israel out of all the nations of the world and he sanctified them. That means he separated them from all the other nations of the world that they would be a beacon of light for the kingdom of God. They would be the torchbearers for the kingdom of God. There was nothing special about Israel. He just said, I'm going to make you holy. I'm going to separate you from all the other nations of the world. And I'm going to work through you because the Redeemer, the Messiah, is going to come through you. My redemptive plan is going to come via Israel. And that was God's plan for Israel. That's the thinking you need to have in your mind when you think about sanctified or sanctification. When God saved you, he set you aside to do the very thing he asked Israel to do. To be an instrument. Of God, to be a servant of God. Let me take it a step further and remind you what the scripture teaches us about this being separate. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 expounds on this a little further. 2 Corinthians 6 14 through 18. It says, Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? He's explaining to you, right? Let's not let this go over your heads. We're talking about sanctification. He's telling you, once you believe in him, once you become a servant of God, once you're baptized in the family of God, once you are literally baptized, signifying I'm a child of God, I'm a fowl of the Messiah, he tells us this. Don't team up with unbelievers. How many when they got saved they lost a lot of their friends. Hmm. You were lonely. Uh, I see a lot of hands. So he goes on to explain the rationale of being a servant of God. How can righteousness, you're righteous now, be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? He gives us an earthly illustration showing us how unreasonable it would be to number one, Marry someone who doesn't know Christ. <laughs> it gives credence to, well, the devil's on one shoulder and the angel's on the other shoulder. Some people are literally living with the devil. Don't, I don't know elbowing over there. <laughs> but it is the truth. Now, some people got married and then they accepted Christ. Praise God. We all get saved at different ages but now you have your work cut out for you. And the Bible talks about that in 1 Corinthians, how you should conduct yourself. He continues telling you what sanctification means or what being sanctified means or what he's telling you and me. Hey, you want to be a servant of God? Separate yourself from the unbelievers, from the unrighteous, from darkness, He said, what harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Hmm. Businessman, businesswoman, I think that's also true. Now, sometimes it's impossible because we live in a lost world. We understand that. But if you're looking for a business partner, I would be looking for a believer. Then he goes on. To explain it a little bit further what sanctification means. I'm camping out here because it really clearly spells out what God means by this fancy religious word, sanctification. If you want to be a servant of God, He wants you to separate yourself. He goes on to say, For what union can there be between God's temple and idols? Now we know idols are more than just a piece of wood or marble. It could be a lot of other things, and the first commandment reminds us, and the second commandment reminds us what that could be. Anything that comes between you and God is an idol. For we are the temple of the living God, and as God said, I will live in them and walk among them. Contrast that with the picture we get of the Old Testament. I will be their God and they will be my people. Again, he reiterates this. God only has to say something one time. He's really punctuating this. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers. Separate yourself from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. And I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Do you recall when you got saved? Some of us had a radical transformation. I left the filthy things of music. By the way, I listen to all music. I'm not a legalist, but I got rid of the garbage right away. My friends, the few that I had, they abandoned me. You don't smoke with me no more. I don't smoke with you anymore. They were gone. I was lonely. Were you lonely? In the beginning. Wow. Now the church becomes very important. The body of Christ. See, it's not a chore to go to church. Now you want to hang out with people that love him. The movies. Oh, my goodness. I stopped going to movies. Not altogether, mind you. Television shows. I abandoned most of the things I watched. Why? Nobody was preaching in my ear. My language, it just left me. My MF bombs turned to fun bombs. You try stop cussing overnight. That's almost impossible. You see, God was sanctifying you and me and we're amazed at it. When we tell people to believe a story 2,000 years ago, I always hit home with this, and I pray that you'll do the same thing. We're not believing a story that's 2,000 years old, and by believing that story, somehow it impacts our life. That's part of it. But that power that raised Jesus from the dead, that power that was in the apostles and was poured upon them, That power that raised him from the dead birthed in you and me life and he caused you and me to crave him. He did it all. You had zero to do with it. The only thing you could do was, I'm obeying you, God. I don't want to lie anymore. I don't want to watch this filth anymore. I don't want to hang around with these filthy people anymore. Now, you have to be careful of that last phrase I just said. God said, be of the world, but not in the world. So we still want to go into the world to share the good news, the very good news that got you and me out of the world. So don't abandon the world totally, but only kind of go back and forth, back and forth. You kind of go in and out, in and out. That's how we're supposed to do with the world. Now, these people that can hang out every Friday playing cards with unbelievers every single Friday and every single football game, go hang out with all their unbelievers. I'm just being a witness for Jesus. Ah, be careful. God is telling you and me to do something different. When I think of sanctification, I'm also thinking about being loyal. That same word, that means I want to be loyal to you, God. He talks about Israel whoring after other gods. He actually called it adultery. They were whoring after other gods, and they were abandoning God. They were not loyal to him. There's a temptation for you and me not to be loyal servants to God. Things begin to creep into our lives, and that's why... Yesterday was a big day around our country in Washington, D.C., where people were calling, return, repent, and return, repent, and return. That's what I have been doing this year. That's what I've been proclaiming to you. And that's what was in Washington, D.C. yesterday around the clock. It was amazing. Praying for the East, the West, the North, and the South. Praying for the saints and believers everywhere. Asking God to do something. Thing wonderful for his name's sake repent and return it is so easy so easy not to be loyal am i correct it's so easy that's where the church comes in that's where the church is so important it isn't a duty it's a privilege to hang around believers jesus said if you love me keep my commandments by the way proof of your loyalty is that you understand you have a debt of love. Paul talked about it in Romans 13. He said, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Now, you and me really didn't love our buddies that much in the world. But when we come, become believers, we have an obligation to God and to one another to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Wow, that's an amazing statement, especially to a Jewish person. You have fulfilled the law by loving one another. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandments there are, are all summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor. Well, last week I told you how I had to love my neighbor, right? Right? So I got on my little jacuzzi and was looking over in their yard yesterday, just kind of peeking over, making sure they, they were um, behaving themselves. But I'm supposed to love them, and my wife and I agree to love them and love our other neighbors. But that doesn't go for my grandkids. They can, they can run over there and uh, not love them. I'm teasing you. Okay. A servant of God is like Jesus. You have the complete picture when you think about him taking out his off his outer cloak and becoming a servant. That's how he wants every one of us to be. There's no big shots in the family of God. There's no hot shots in the family of God. Actually, I'm supposed to be the biggest servant of the church. I think about the word now S. So you think about servants with S and think about sanctified servants. Those are the things that are conjured up when I think about being a servant of God. Then I take the word E, S-E, we'll finish it up next week. One more we're going to talk about this morning, and that is evangelistic, and put a slash, everyone. I think of those two words that came to mind, evangelistic and everyone. By the way, that word, I don't know, in my Christian life, it just seems to um, send off alarm bells in believers' minds and hearts. I can't do that. First of all, Jesus' last words on the face of this earth to his followers was this. Now, if someone is about to die and they're about to tell you something, you should listen. Here's what he said. He came to them and said, all authority, Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We got to do that last week with two people at the beach, by the way. And I know some other people have some baptisms that are coming up here soon. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey some things I've commanded you. Were you awake when I said that? Do you agree, and I'm not here to put down believers or churches. They're teaching the body some things to obey, but not everything. One thing I'm excited about in our church is to be able online, as well as you coming here, to be able to walk out and say, here's a church that, that teaches the people of God to obey everything I've commanded you. Remember when we fail, there is grace. So we can still teach the perfect model, but there's grace. And when you teach it to your children, to your spouse, and when I teach it to a congregation, I remember looking at, in the mirror at myself, reminding myself, when you talk to your congregation about something that really hits home, be sure you do it in love because you also fail God. It's with that attitude in mind that I approach you when I say, listen. We don't get a pass. We are to obey God in everything. But in that journey, when we recognize we didn't obey God in everything, we understand grace, mercy needs to be preached also. So I think about evangelism. It's it's the purpose of the church. It's why you're still here. And by the way, I think about everyone. And this is the last thing I'm going to say this morning. Everyone. When I tell people everyone should be involved in sharing the good news, that means everyone who's baptized into the family of God. Many people think this. I'll tell you what, preacher, I'll bring them to church, you skin them. You bring them to church, you save them. That's not how it works, although it has worked. God has used that. But see, either you have a credible testimony amongst your family members, amongst your children, amongst your neighbors, amongst your co-workers, amongst your employees. If you have a credible testimony, God will use you to share the good news before he'll use me. You don't want to pass. Listen, if you knew there was a cure for cancer, right now I'm going to use cancer instead of COVID, if you knew there was a cure for cancer right now and your family member had it, and you knew if they took this shot vaccine, if they took this vaccine well that's a, not a popular word today and they would be healed. What would you do? I'm going to bring him, I'm going to bring them to the church. I'm going to let you pastor tell them all about this vaccine because that word's not popular out there in the culture today, vaccine. Or would you would you wait till they picked up the phone and, and called you? What would you do? You would tell them. You wouldn't wait for a preacher to tell them. You wouldn't wait till a scholar or a professor expounded eloquently to them. You would just gush out like, we found the Messiah or the prostitute woman go back into the town and they all realize who she is but she's now saying something different than the lifestyle she used to live I found the Messiah that's all she said and they all came running out and many believed in Jesus Christ you're not responsible for the results the thief on the cross what did he do he didn't say all the right words he blurted out you don't deserve what." you're getting we do he wants to use you the way a church should grow for the glory of god is servants of god the volunteer and say god i get it i understand the purpose why you left me on earth that in my marriage in raising my kids in in my job in my neighborhood there's there's the field That's where I need to go to work. I guarantee if you will go to work there and become a servant of God, you will become a part of bringing in the harvest. You may not have all the right words, but your testimony speaks loud like Israel. People would look at Israel and go, wow, they're set apart. There's something different about them. Not just the way the Jewish guys wore their hair and their sideburns, although they did stand out for that. They serve one God. We have many gods. Their God lives amongst them. And the things he did for that nation, no nation can boast the things that Israel's God did for them. No nation. We're going to pay attention. Can they say that about you and me? Even though they see flesh and blood, even though they see a neighbor, can they see something's different about you? Then you become an evangelist for God and say, let me tell you my story. You tell me your story. Let me tell you my story. That's how God advances his kingdom. If you want to sign up and become a servant of God and you want to please him, no one has to pull your ear and say, come over here. My mom and dad used to, do you ever get pulled by the ear when you're a kid? Come over here. This, you didn't bake your bed. And you didn't clean out from underneath the bed or grab you under the arm. You guys relate to that maybe some of your younger ones don't listen the day I got saved I was telling people about Jesus and I barely even knew who he was I went to my first job making doors I started telling everybody about Jesus until they finally fired me we didn't call you to preach we called you to make doors Well, this guy made two doors in an hour and I said, I'm going to make four doors and that will give me time to go knock on some doors. Listen, that didn't come from me because I was special. I had a ninth grade education at that time. I was a nobody. But someone in me, the Holy Spirit I didn't know at that time, was causing me to talk about someone I barely knew. I didn't know anything about his kingdom like I know nothing about Russia or China. I was expecting bounding on the value system of the kingdom god that i barely knew i start talking in a heavenly language instead of a earthly foul mouth language that all came from the holy spirit didn't come from me because i was at church 50 times and all of a sudden the oil came over me and i started speaking about god that's what he wants to do with you and me do you want to be a servant of god do you truly want to be a servant of God? What's keeping you from telling your neighbor about God? My wife's keeping me from telling my neighbor sometimes, honey, we got to live here, because I would bulldoze people down with the gospel where they didn't want to be around me. I mean, I did it nicely and kindly, but if they're not ready for Jesus Christ, trust me, get ready for some persecution. Get ready for them to walk around your block so they, uh, you know, they don't have to come in contact with you. Invite them over to dinner and get ready for some rejections. They're not ready for that, but you need to be ready at work, at play. Are you willing to become a servant of God? We're going to talk more about this word next week and try to wrap it up next week. But God desperately, well, God is not desperate. By the way, one more thing about this. If you don't volunteer, he'll find someone else. Do you remember Moses when he asked Moses to go and speak? Do you remember that? What, what, what did Moses say? Like some of you are saying, I, I, I can't do it. I, I don't, I'm not an eloquent person. I'm not like you, preacher. I hear that all the time. I, I can't do it. Well, who made your mouth, Moses? Do you know that was what God wanted Moses to do? He wanted Moses to speak directly to Pharaoh. You know that, right? Did, God, did Moses keep God from doing his work? Not at all. His brother got to do it instead. God wants you to enlist you. He wants you to share the gospel with your neighbor, your coworker. If he, If you don't volunteer, he will find someone else. I don't know about you. But I can't help but brag on our Savior. If you're looking in online as we wrap up, remember the ABCs of our faith. And this is a simple way to do it. Someone's online, they may be, they may be online for the first time. Maybe they're here for the first time. And you always want to explain the gospel in brevity. There's many ways to do it. Right now we're just using the ABCs. Maybe we'll mix it up, and a year from now we'll do something else. Admit you're a sinner, right? Admit you're a sinner. Some people don't want to admit they're sinner. They don't want you peddling that to them. And they need, uh uh-oh, yes, they need to repent. That's what they were proclaiming yesterday, repent and return. Repent and return. There is a theology going on around here that says you don't have to repent. Just get them to say that prayer, and they got to take it to heaven. John the Baptist preached repentance. Jesus said, without repentance, no one shall see God. Repent of your sins. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. B, believe in the finished work of Jesus. You're putting your faith in Jesus. Remember, the Bible teaches us, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. But God commended his love toward us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus took your punishment. He took God's justice. He took God's wrath for you and me. He took our place. Believe in that. Put your confidence in that. And C can be three words. It can be called the Bible says in Romans 10. Man, I memorized this when I first became a believer. Whoever calls on the Lord shall be saved. Like the thief on the cross. It isn't a magic word or formula. He just called out. Remember me, Jesus. What was he saying? I believe in you. It's not the exact words you say. He's looking in your heart. And so confess. So call, confess. True baptism that you're identifying yourself with the Messiah and then commit your life, surrender your life to Jesus. If you made the decision and you're looking in online, please go to the comment section, hit the tab and let us know you have received Jesus Christ as your savior so that we can get you some information and follow up. Well, we're talking about servants of God. We're gonna do something a little bit different that you may not expect this morning. God raises up servants, and he brings servants here, and I want to talk about one of those servants, and I'm going to ask JW to come up here at this time. JW has been one of the servants here for 13 years, and I want to explain what God is doing in JW's life, in my life, if you'll grab one of these, and, um, Many people know what we're about to say right now, but uh, we're going to dialogue together. And many of you may not know this, but we have a segment here, like on TV, they have a segment. We call this Making a Difference. How has Victory Life made a difference in your life? Usually we do this before the message. How has Victory Life made a difference in your life? Believe me, when you come up here and tell us and tell others the difference Victory Life Church has made in your life. It, it, it has a profound impact in the lives of other people cuz you expect it from the pastor but when you hear it from someone else it impacts their lives it excites the believers and so we've had a we have a servant of god named JW his real name is Joshua but at one time i had my son Joshua working for me and now Joshua Wallace so we nicknamed him JW and it stuck and so, JW, I want you to explain to uh, those listening and viewing us uh, the difference that uh, VLC has made in your life.
1: Yeah, wow. When I, when I think back, uh, been here for 13 years, when I think of what a difference VLC has made, I kind of think of it in, in kind of three categories. As a man, I mean, VLC has made a profound impact on just the development, the growth of my heart as a... College graduate, VLC took a, a, a stab at some 22 year old guy that was going to come down here and lead student ministry and had no real clue what that was about. And to have men surround me, if, if you're new here to VLC and you're wondering, well, what, what is VLC all about? Uh, kind of uh, this gather, grow, go, and give. It's, it's part of the DNA. It's not just a tagline that we say. So I've had men. Pour into my life. I think of guys like like Steve Petrucco, who for, for seven years every Friday we would have breakfast at your house at seven a.m. and you just you just taught me things of Christ. I think of guys like Butch Conover that have taken me to coffee on countless times and just poured into me. JW, stay humble. JW, keep seeking me. I've had guys that I've gone to the trenches with, guys like John Rimley and Dave Reskey. We'd get up at 6 in the morning and go to Starbucks because we had young kids and wanted to, wanted to pursue Christ but wanted to make sure we weren't taken away from our families. And guys like Luke Lawson that are accountability partners with me. And Joe Warren, we went through, or at least I almost finished reading through the Bible in the year with you. And so I've, there are men in this church that personally have just had a profound impact. As a church culture, you guys have really poured into me. Um, man, when I think about my family and the impact that my family, for some of you don't know, that there once upon a time was a day when there weren't four little Wallace kids running around, and there's four of them now, and I had no clue how to be a dad, how to be a parent, what that looked like. And so we had a couples class, and many of you guys were in that couples class. And your vulnerability, your authenticity to just explain how do you, how do you have... Um, conversations with your wife that maybe aren't always the most pleasant or how do you how do you raise kids and what does that look like and so this church body has just has just surrounded I really feel like it just engulfed me um with just encouragement and love and then you as a senior pastor I had no clue what ministry looked like and I knew God was calling me into ministry but you have shown me one we think of servant leadership there's not a man that I know more that's taught me of servant leadership than this guy right next to me And the way that he has poured into just a lifestyle of just serving others, it is is who you are. It's not just a message. It's who you are on a day-to-day basis. You've taught me what it means to to exegetically lead a church, be biblically focused, not show and tell, not trying to wheel and deal and and win people's approval. But how do we just give them Jesus because Jesus is what transformed? You've shown me what it means to be courageous, and I think of our church today. I look out here, and a church that predominantly is, is mask-free in a church that's open. And that's because you taught me how to be courageous as a leader and what it means to stand firm in your convictions. And so our church gets to benefit in that today because of your leadership. And, and then just how to have an intimate walk with Jesus. I think if there's one thing that, that we've had, and we used to joke around, we'd have prayer meetings, and he's like, we should, we should pray. And I'm like, yeah, I think we should pray. Well, like, we should pray, pray. I'm like, well, what, is, what does that mean? He's like, what about like four hours? I'm like, four hours? That's like a lot of time. It's like, yeah, but like, you know, let's let's do it. And so you you pushed us to to love Jesus and what you showed me. What he
0: doesn't realize, what you don't realize is you guys have to go to work six, seven in the morning. So I said, Okay. It's easy to come to work and say, hey, wouldn't you like to go to work? And they they tell you for the next hour or two you can have a Bible study and you can pray. Wouldn't you like that? Could go to work and the boss let you do that. So, well, you don't? You wouldn't like that? So I said, Okay, that's two hours on the clock. I want you to give up two hours off the clock like some of you. Like my wife gets up at 4.45 every morning for the last 20-something years and has probably done 11 Beth Moore studies. And many of you have done the same thing. You get up early before work and you have your devotion. So I say, hey, come to church. Let's spend two hours of your own time and then two hours on the clock. Wow, they thought I was cuckoo and crazy. But
1: it was neat because it showed me as a young man. here, Ministry is so much more in a stage. It, it, it's the heartbeat and so what you showed me in all of that was not a legalistic it has to be a certain amount of time but how do we make sure that our hearts are right with Christ that we can do ministry at the level that he overflows and not just a stage performance so when I think of making a difference I think of VLC I mean man I could spend hours talking about each person in this room and the difference that this ministry has made and that
0: you've made in my life over these last 13 years well kind of leads to the question that Because of VLC, God is doing something special in your life and in Megan's life, and some people already know about it, but some people don't. So why don't you let them know what God's doing in your life? Yeah, God has been on. We've been on a faith journey.
1: It has been something. This last uh, 2020 was not the year that we would have ever thought in regards to what God's doing in our life, and God is uh, in a place that we never went looking, never went expecting, never dreamed of not being at VLC. But God has had been stirring our hearts in 2019 about. There's something that he's doing that we just didn't know what that was. And um, in 2020, God came knocking on our hearts. And we kind of thought, okay, it's, it's Genesis 22, right? That it's raise your knife and be willing to sacrifice Isaac, and God's going to provide. And, and maybe God just wanted to see where we were at after 13 years here. And, and as Megan and I were on our knees in and, and countless prayer after seeing God do some miraculous events that we couldn't deny, we realized, wow, like it's, it's not Genesis 22, it's Genesis 12. Like are you willing to go to a land that I'll show you? And pull you out of your comfort zone and be stretched in ways that all the characters of faith throughout the scriptures were. And so it's uh, with lots of tears, I mean, to to talk about this, right? I mean, it's, we're so excited for the future, but yet I look out here and this is not just blood, like this is family. Like this is the place that we long to be at and that you uh, were so gracious to afford me the opportunity to, to partner with you in ministry and, and carry the baton from you. And that was, that was our plan. Our plan was never to leave. Our plan was never to look for anything else. Our plan was that this was it. And, um, and man, I was, when God brought something and started tugging on our hearts, we're like, okay, Lord, like, am I willing? My question I had myself was, was I willing to step out in faith in the same way that I'd tell all these teenagers to do? And uh, through lots of tears and lots of prayer, we realized, wow, God's calling us to a new season of faith. Uh, and um, man, it is again super exciting. But it is so hard to sit here and got to worship next to my mother in law here this morning. The thought of not being around you guys
0: is is just man. It will be He's great telling the truth. We we've been together what how many years now? Thirteen years. Thirteen years, and we were talking about this. We celebrated his birthday last week at a staff meeting. I don't believe we've had a fight that I know nope. of. Nope. He just listened to everything I told him <laughs> to do, right? now. <laughs> <laughs> but we we haven't literally And He's over my house all the time. My daughter's over the house all the time, eating me out of house and home with their grandkids. They're over all the time. And that can only come when a couple of people are dedicated. We make mistakes. We, we all have faults. We, we have sin, But we have gotten along so well that when he told me he was leaving, it was like he put a dagger in me. And after I pulled it out, I go, okay. Just before I get to that point, I want to... Ask him to share some of the things he's done to really stabilize this church as he moves on to serve God in another location. Yeah, as I think about that, just real quickly, just want to to say to the church
1: body, thank you, uh, thank you for as a church body allowing me to be one of your pastors and serving with him and and for you. For those of you who are parents, and you allowed your kids to be a part of our student ministry to. Uh, all the trips we went on to events to Wednesday nights and discipling your kids. Thank you for allowing me that. Um, this church is, if you're new here, this church is, is full of so many uh, servant leaders. And so I've had the privilege to serve with so many of you. And it's just been a joy. I've got pictures in my office of all the time serving with people and um, to, to a mother in law that brought me in as one of her own. And I left s- um, uh, South Bend, Indiana. And kind of like, man, what's home life going to be like? And you brought me in. Um, funny story with her. She, that I didn't really have any money because my shirts were ripped back in the day, and that was part of the style. And she's like, Megan, who are you dating? This guy, like, needs a new wardrobe. Um, But, man, you you just, you brought me in as one of your own to be one of your sons and the way that you've partnered with me. And just, uh, just, I'm internally grateful for for this church and for this leadership team. And and so we've had an opportunity to kind of really work hard on raising up leaders. And uh, that, that tech booth back there, there's some guys I'm super proud of, guys like Wilbert and Reggie and Christian and Andy who, for, since they were students, they went from students to high capacity volunteer leaders that
0: have, have given really, them a nice round of yeah, applause let's give them a huge every of applause. single week. They make things run well here. Thank you. And then he's also helped raise up another special leader that's going to be helping him. Yeah, um, that guy is
1: Andy Pizarro. I don't know where he's at, if he's back here getting ready to sing or whatnot, but uh, Andy Pizarro is going to be the guy stepping in when, when Pastor Ron said, okay, what are we going to do with youth ministry? I said, listen, like, there he is. Boom. There's that guy. He's good looking. Um, don't, he's off the market, so don't worry. Um, but he's like, what are we going to do with student ministry? I said, student ministry is taken care of. I said, I, I know the guy that knows the culture, knows the vision, passion for Jesus, love for students, enthusiastic about ministry. Andy was a guy that I started mentoring uh, when he was back in ninth and tenth grade in high school. For him to go through our student ministry, uh, serve in our student ministry the last four years since he's been out of college, out of high school. It's just. He's an incredible guy, and he knows it, and our team has rallied around him. And so uh, we've already implemented the last two months. We've implemented training sessions with him, uh, our whole team. We basically operated the month of September as if I wasn't here. So our, our youth team is incredible, and some of them are out here today in the way that they can lead our student ministry. So uh, H2O has some incredibly, incredibly
0: bright days ahead of them through this guy's leadership. Well, I'm very grateful for Megan. I always tell J.W. he's good because of Megan, my daughter. She's the first minister in our church. She's my oldest daughter, and she's a nonstop minister. But they are very well loved. And when someone – you want to have a staff member that's loved, don't you? Um, And so he's greatly responsible for probably over half of what our church does, whether from the tech to the music up here to the youth behind the scenes – and so, um, Cheryl and I are very, very grateful. This church is very grateful for your service. And let me tell you something. Right now, I'm, I'm pretty brave standing up here. But to lose my son-in-law, I've been watching him pack his bags for the last nine months almost in the room next to me. He was supposed to take over here. And he'd become the lead pastor actually next year. And I would, I would work with him and serve him. Imagine that. You're the, he was serving me and then I was going to serve him. Only people in Christ can do that. <clears throat> and so, when he told me that, it seemed to blow up all the plans that we had going for the last five years. So instead of getting mad, this is the absolute truth, which some of you do when God is doing something in the life of someone else. He loves the church in Texas. That means he loves our church too. So immediately, we began to turn to God and say, okay, you love Victory Life Church. So what are you going to do in her life? You're, where you're, Um, Bride, He's the groom. So what is he doing in our lives? So after I pulled the dagger out, began to think of all the possibilities, and I'm a dreamer. Who can we get that will help reach the millennials and the Zen generation as well as all generations here in this community? So with that in mind, I want to introduce you to someone that will be, some of you already know this, but some of you, it will be new. We are going to be hiring Jacob Premus as the next associate pastor that will be taking his place. Now, some of you might be thinking some weird things. How come it's all family members? Well, I haven't done many mighty things for the kingdom of God. But evidently, God wanted through your life and through my life to do something for his glory. And through Cheryl's life and my life. We have six kids and now thirteen grandkids. Two of the kids we took in off the street. One named Kevin, who is now who uh, was lost when he came to my house, got saved. He's now has a master's and he's now associate pastor at Plantation Community Church. And then we took in a young lady who's married to a young man that came from a minister's family and who also wants to serve in the ministry as a youth pastor. But right now he's serving God by being a air-conditioned man and they're the ones in georgia and then my four children of course megan married to a minister and then we have joshua who served with me 14 years he was here last sunday you got to hear his music i'm very proud of him he's has over 19 albums and he's serving at a very large church and then we have jacob who's at a thousand member church in boca so for the last eight years he's done almost everything in the church he has started as a youth pastor. He's worked with the music team. He's, he's very creative. He knows how to do camera work. He knows how to do uh, volunteer work. When they moved to FAU, he was in charge of all their volunteers set up and set, set, take apart. He's preached before 1,000 people on many occasions as well as preached every week for the youth. So he comes with a different type of experience And we believe um, God is going to use him mightily, as he's used Megan and JW. We thought JW wanted to be a pastor right now, and I guess God was doing something different in your life, and that isn't the exact role. What role will you actually be doing there in uh, Texas? Yes, the role of the church is Crossroads uh, Baptist Church
1: in the Woodlands, Texas, and so it's a next-gen position, Uh, be a lot of leading with family and being part of their ZEC team, part of their preaching team, and then their goal is to, to plant out and campus out. And so that down the road is the, the plan there in the Woodlands,
0: Texas. So Jacob will be coming, literally the 11th will be JW's last Sunday. So I want you to, and then they'll be moving in with us for a couple weeks. But Or actually, next this Wednesday, I think they're going to be moving with us. That makes it, it be, really hurt because they're, move they're, that they're move leaving, but they're moving in with us.
1: We're going to move that move-in date to Tuesday, just FYI.
0: We love our family. but uh, (laughs) So God took the knife out, and he patched up the wound. Uh, I have had the privilege of working with all my children, but I have not had the privilege of working with my son, Jacob. Jacob is a very well-loved person. I call him a mix between Megan and JW. And he is very well-loved. He loved his job, and they love him. He did not want to leave. But God, and he did not get pushed by me at all. We left it up to God, and God impressed upon he and Cheryl, his wife. We're going to have two Cheryl Bramuses in the church. Can you imagine that? Two Cheryl Bramuses And um, it's, uh, it's going to be hard when they pull out of our driveway and go to Texas. I'm not visiting you. You've got to come visit me. So that, but they're coming back for Christmas that quickly. And they left us with their big hound dog, which I didn't really want. The big old bear. He, he, he he kind of gets in the way of everything, but he's a nice dog. <laughs> literally sleeps. When I take my foot out of my bed, he's literally right there because he's afraid of lightning and he's afraid of storms. So I'm his security blanket. Thank you, JW. He's good at fertilizing your backyard. So, And he, fer- he also fertilizes our backyard quite a bit. We're excited about what God's doing, so we'll be grooming Jacob to do the very thing we were going to be grooming We were grooming jw to do and that that jacob would eventually become with your voting on him will become the next pastor of the church down the road here and so please make plans on your calendars to celebrate with us on the 11th Um, i want to ask you to be here we're going to have some vittles and if any way you'd like to leave a departing gift that's fine but we're going to celebrate the 13 years that We've had the privilege of working with each other. And literally, it's been a privilege, J.W., to work with you. And I didn't want to let him go, but as I've learned, don't hold things too tightly that God has to take away from you. So learn to have an open hand so God can take what is his and use it for his honor and glory. Many of you already had to do that. You understand. Many of you have already given up kids, given up grandchildren. And some of you just did the study. I think uh, we just did a study in the men's group on, on uh Samuel by as and pen and i right and and anna giving up their child to the priesthood so please understand this is all of god and led of god with the approval of our leaders we introduced Jacob last week to about 20 25 of our leaders last sunday and they're all i want you to know that they're behind it and they're excited about what god's doing in the wallace's life in the brave life thank you for your attention on this would you stand at this time as we continue a little bit of worship another song and remember this is a time you can pray also to come up front and continue pray for repentance and renewal in our country return repent and return in our country Uh, remember again if you're online you can uh, go to the comment section and we'll be sure if you fill out the form we'll send you some material by the way one other thing again you notice we don't take up a collection plate always remind you that your house runs on money And your car runs on um, water, no gas. And so please remember to be faithful to give online. You can go to the VLC app as well as on the way out. Two ways you can give in the offering or you can give through your uh, credit card on the uh, apparatus in the back of the church. Also, if you're our guest, I want to remind you to go to the uh, Welcome Center and receive your free gift. If you'll give us a little information about you, we'll be sure to send you some information about our church. We'll get in contact with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're doing in the kingdom of God all over the world. And one of the things I want to remember to do that I was reminded yesterday of my shortcoming, and that's failing to pray for the persecuted believers all over the world. We're getting a little taste of what it's like and it reminds us how we need to be in prayer for the saints that are suffering for your name's sake all over the world. Their lives are on the lines, they're hiding, they're having church underground. Please encourage them. Make your presence known to them. That's what you did to John the Baptist when he was in jail. You brought him some good news. You heard his prayer. You encouraged him just before he was to go on to be with the Father. So teach us to pray for the persecuted saints, even today, and continue to send revival. Receive our adoration and our worship now as we give, pray, and sing. In Jesus' name I pray.